Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things Dwarfy. I'm Jonathan. I'm Roland. I'm Tony. So yeah, rumor has it, um, I think that update that we were talking about in our last episode has dropped. I don't know, has anyone checked to see? Indeed. Um, it Indeed. actually happened, and I am very sorry, but it dropped on the 6th of February. Yeah, 4702. Yes, but he did, he did make January. January 29th, 4701. The infamous mount bug. Yes, yes. Babies can drive their mothers. Crazy. Yeah, it was really funny, actually. <laughs> I love Dwarf Fortress bugs. I mean, they truly are part of the joy of playing. And I mean, I am very glad that it's been fixed, but at the same time, it was incredibly amusing seeing it happen. And people's solutions to it. So this is our first recording after the release. And because of our two-week delay between uh, episodes recording and releasing. Uh, this is one of the few episodes that's actually going to seem very dated by the time we release it, but eh, you know, it is what it is. Normally you can't tell. Our episodes are typically not time-based, but, uh, but this one will. So we've had the second, yeah, we've had the first, the release, and then the bug fix release, and he is working on another one. Yeah, there's still a few uh, buggy bugs out there. Uh, what needs fixing? For me, one of the things that uh, the bugs that I see the most is the friendly necromancer bug, where you get a necro pal to come join you in your fort, and they show up and want to move in and get to work, which is so mighty friendly of them until <laughs> until it's not. <laughs> Basically, it's fun until it's not. Have you guys had that happen? Not yet, actually. But I've seen um, I've seen it so much on the subreddit. Uh, I'm really sad that it happened. So I have had a few observations. Um, one of them is the older the world, the more likely it is to become just a necromancer world. Um, that that seems maybe that's always been the case. I don't know. Not 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 that I've observed. But um, you typically have you, you enjoy making worlds that are really old, right? Uh, I mean, I've done that. Um, and then I kind of realized the only benefit really to having the old ones, at least that I can see, and obviously somebody's probably going to correct me if I'm wrong, but it just I think it makes adventure mode more fun to have an older world with more creatures, but I'm not sure I've noticed too much of a difference in fort mode. Um, well, for example, when you were talking about fort mode, um, you can get more interesting uh, people. Oh, that's true. That's right. Or, visitors uh, come. Yeah, visitors and also just migrants that come to your fortress usually have some sort of backstory before they get to your fortress. Um, really different when you start a world after five years, then you will probably just get dwarves that literally just spawned right outside of the map. I'll take it. That's pretty cool. I was just pulling up my world now to see if I have any necromancers in this in this latest iteration that I have running because I had a a fort that I really liked and I and I was kind of sad I had um, a farmers guild that like my very first one in that fort and they called themselves the Lavender Company and I just thought that was the best procedurally generated name I've ever gotten <laughs> um, and so I really really had high hopes for this fort and then. A necromancer came to town and um we we struggled with a forgotten beast finally defeated it and then he the necromancer was in the military at the time whoopsie daisy um and he got the killing blow and then brought the forgotten beast back to life again which uh added uh, certainly added an interesting complication which was it came back and it was even more fierce and then proceeded to wipe out the entire rest of the fort until i was able to lock it in the kitchen so that was probably not the way that it was intended to be but it certainly did make for an interesting story when the forgotten beast was resurrected though i wonder if it would have obeyed the necromancers no limbs. no it was no. hostile and <laughs> i think it might have killed him one other thing that i've run into and it's not directly related to the release, I don't think, but the liaison from the mountain homes was a goblin. And <laughs> whenever the caravan came from the first from the first time, this is a 250-year-old world. That's amazing. So when the caravan shows up, 
the goblin meets with my manager and they make their their trade agreements and all that but the goblin doesn't leave with the caravan the goblin has just been hanging around in the meeting area at the tables and as far as i can tell she doesn't have any she's not really doing anything i can't tell that she's inciting anything but she's been there for about two years now and just hanging out so i'm wondering if this is actually a villain who's trying to turn my people and i don't realize it i have got i haven't got any real evidence of that but since that is now a possibility in the game of course it makes me wonder about it and it's added a a, uh, an, a another dimension to the game if you will hmm. I, I liked her description it, it's basically said that it's a long-haired green-skinned goblin whose uh whose propensity to evil makes her just a really bad person but that they seem to like her in the in the meeting hall well maybe she's got a good social awareness whatever whatever that skill is it was interesting i thought that uh that that is not a thought that i would have had uh had i not known that villains were a possibility in the game now yeah, yeah. I, I haven't had uh, it happen yet. I was playing a lot of adventure mode and I came across the pet stuff and I was really getting into all this animal adventure beast master thing. And the first thing I've got myself was a war grizzly and a war elephant because I thought, well, that is really good, which it was. I could even ride my elephant or my bear, so it was whew, a dream come true. But the bear was so terrifying that he would kill everything on sight. And when I say everything, I actually mean everything. For some reason, my stupid bear kept killing people. Bad luck. Yeah. I, I was just in the woods, and every time I, I was trying to get into a town, like two times, maybe three times, and my bear would always run off and kill people. And <laughs> I don't know why my my elephant didn't do anything. He was really friendly, really nice, except for the one time he stomped the crow. But later on, I made myself a real beast master and got myself maybe eight war dogs. And I have to say that war dogs are really terrifying. Like, I got eight of them, and I didn't even get to fight uh like i fought zombies i fought lions i fought a few goblins and i only got one hit on the goblin one hit on one frail lion and maybe two hits on a zombie before they all died because my my dogs kept biting up and biting and scratching and <laughs> it was insane they had no chance against me and my dogs <laughs> Is it that you have to build your own gear as an adventurer now, or you're just able to? Yeah, you you can now really say what you want, uh, what to to start with. Before you had um, to invest in a weapon skill to make sure uh, that you start with a fairly specific weapon. So, for example, if you wanted to start with a weapon, you had to have at least a novice weapon skill in some something. For example, if you wanted to start with a sword, you had to be at least a novice uh, swordsman. And uh, now you, you can actually ignore all of that and just have no weapon skill at all. And you can decide what kind of weapon you want. And it's so specific that you can even say what weapon, what it's made of, and what quality it has. It's really insane. You can now basically start with a steel battle axe uh, that is a uh, that that is an artifact. It's so good. It's so good. Of course, you only have uh, a limited amount of points you can spend on it, and the same points go into the whole pets stuff. But hey, on the other hand, you can actually get full plate armor. And a shield and a crown at the very beginning of your adventure. That is a whole world that I've really not gotten very good at. Tours in adventure mode have been short or short and sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, sometimes I end up doing more harm than good. Like uh, I, I tried one time 
to start up an adventure mode to rescue some dwarves that kept getting kidnapped. So I found where they were kidnapped and I got them. And then I didn't realize that they couldn't swim. And so I led them all to the river and they all drowned. Aww. Oh, dear. So that was a little bit sad. Um, but usually I just sort of wander around. I can never seem to get people to join me. That tends to be a, a problem because then when I leave, I just get killed. Or I'll <laughs> spawn in the middle of a goblin pit or a dwarf fortress and just be stuck forever. Never oh, able to God, find yeah. my way out. <laughs> I just, yeah, I feel that pain. Not uncommon. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, well, this is I'm going to die in the fort. Okay, well, here we go. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, I do know how to get out of trees now. That's pretty exciting. Um, <laughs> that was my big accomplishment. Just by jumping down? Uh, no, I figured out how to climb. So I'm pretty excited about that. Mm. Now I can actually oh, climb wow. trees. Yeah, it's super, super exciting thing to have learned. We need to have a tutorial now to uh, to show me how to climb out of a tree if I get stuck in one. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't describe it as straightforward, but uh, what is? But, um, but yeah, it's cool. So, Roland, you were off on holiday to the land of Australia, right? Um, I wasn't in Australia, but okay. Oh, you weren't? No. no. Austria? Oh. What? Same no, thing, no, no, but no. they speak German with the koalas. Uh, <laughs> why do you think I was somewhere? With I, I, I don't know. I thought, why did... I don't know. I thought that you were on uh, holiday in Australia. Thank God okay. we're not doing this live. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> um, no, I mean, you're correct. I had holidays and I was not at home, but I was in fact not in Australia. Um, I think you're like mixing me up with someone else, but I was still in Germany, just at the North Sea and uh, eating fish and stuff. I was hoping so it was at least the southern part of Germany to kind of lend some sort of credence to the story. Is this my own pure fantasy? Did did yeah. you think that he was in Australia, Tony? I, I didn't think that. Wow. But I have <laughs> no idea I just where assumed. this came from. <laughs> well, never mind. I was going to ask you how... Uh, how how the fortress release was was playing down under but never mind <laughs> you know what we i guess maybe we'll have to get a guest from australia that i think we can arrange they seem to be a few interesting folks so that's, that's okay. exciting well to see if i can recover from that so <laughs> roland when you were on holiday was the new dwarf fortress release all the buzz there Actually, you, you see, the day it happened, I was out with my family wandering around. I had no internet and I didn't know. And I came back to our house very late and I was logging onto, uh, like the subreddit and suddenly everyone, it's, it's wild, you know, I, I'm talking about the meme where the, the guy comes in with a pizza and everything is on fire. That's, that's what happened. I came in, everything was wild and every, everyone was going insane. And I'm like, what? And, uh, I was so confused. And then I heard the update was out and I, ooh, I was, I wouldn't say I was screaming about it, but I was in fact running around and telling my mom about it. And she was like, Oh, that's so cool. Uh, <laughs> She's gonna download it right now. <laughs> yeah, um, but I still had to wait until Monday to to play it in the first time. I only played adventure mode for the first few days. Maybe three days ago, I started to really play uh, fort mode, like seriously now. And it's so good! It's so good. I have a dungeon keeper. Oh yeah, and it's amazing i wanted to have like a sheriff but for some reason the po position changed its name now he's like a dungeon master or something or master of dungeons or something and i can basically imprison people that may or may not be uh troublemakers uh, it's who this is so amazing um i'm sure that he won't torture anybody but uh, i mean 
I'd love it. I think that until you have 20 uh, dwarves, that the name of the noble is still Sheriff. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, so how, how has interrogations been? Have you guys had any any interesting interrogations or anything? Or um... Um, I tried it both in adventure mode and in field mode. In adventure mode, uh, I found out that some bandit guy, this guy was just uh, camping outside a small town. And um, he had like two bodies and I, I don't know, some, some small animal. And I was just stealing stuff from them while they slept. And suddenly he woke up and was like, what the heck you're doing here? And I was like, oh, tell me about your boss. And um, for some reason, he actually <laughs> did. That's right. The best, and, the best uh, offense is a good, or best defense is a good offense. <laughs> yeah, and he, he just sat down with me and told me about his life and his feelings and his boss. And I kept saying that his cloak and uh, and his like hood was looking really nice on him. It was like, oh, stop it, you. And uh, later on, I got into the legends mode, and I totally forgot about this. But then I found out who he worked for. In fact, he worked for a necromancer. I didn't get that when I, when I was playing, but he was, in fact, working for a necromancer. And a few days later, after I left the, the adventure mode and uh, went on, he went into the very town he was camping before, and a specific artifact book or something, and brought it back to the uh, necromancer, his boss. Uh, the necromancer then wrote a book about the whole ordeal. So, so the necromancer boss wrote a book about his bandit guy going into a town and stealing a book, which is hilarious. And I made an adventure later on and went into the exact tower of that guy and stole bo both books <laughs> and brought it back to the town where uh, they originally were made. Hilarious. But uh, in fort mode, I tried to investigate something, but my, my, my master of dungeons or dungeon master, whatever he's called now, was way too incompetent for that and kept failing all his skill checks. So after a while, just stopped doing it because it had no sense to, to continue, sadly. I think he, he really needs some buff there or, or, or help or something, but he, he's bad, man. He's really bad at it. When you were playing Adventure Mode, Roland, mm -hmm. did you run into any of the uh, any of the shrines with the divination dice? <laughs> Oh, it's so neat. funny you ask. Um, I actually did run into that, but I was I was incredibly stupid. Um, I had no idea what happened or what the the shrine does, uh, as well as the the dice. I just took the dice and used it to beat a goblin to death uh, without ever rolling it. You used the shrine or the or the dice to beat the goblin to death? No, no, I, I took the dice. I took the dice and beat a goblin with it without actually <laughs> rolling it. I Maybe I've rolled and I didn't read anything, but I'm fairly sure I didn't roll the dice. I just used it to slam somebody to death. Um, yeah. And later on, I found out when... Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. I wanted to say he, the, the forbidden guy's name. But um, oh well, no, that's fine. He's 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 not forbidden anymore. <laughs> he's not forbidden anymore. In a minute anyway. Okay, okay. Then I can say it was Krogsmash's video, and he was talking <laughs> about the dice, and I was like, wait, you can actually use the dice? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to talk about it here in a few minutes anyway, because it looks like that he uncovered that you can roll dice that aren't the divination dice at the shrine, but it won't do any good. And I'm wondering if you still have, if your adventurers still had those dice uh, away from the shrine and they rolled them, if they would have any magical properties away from the shrine. So it'd be interesting to find out. Um, I thought the shrine itself enables the fact that rolling is magical, but not so the dice itself is not magical, but the shrine 
is, right? Based on his uh, his experiences, it may be a combination of both. But he mm. had one of his uh, one of his characters actually roll dice on the shrine, and it didn't do anything that with, with dice that were brought from outside. And you know, it could be also uh, some other uh, set of circumstances that that weren't just right. But mm. I, I don't think that everything's been uncovered yet for the uh, for the dice rolling in the shrine no i thought that was interesting first foray into it though yeah yeah the whole video pretty much was them on a quest to find dice to roll yeah exactly i could see how he's craps addicts yeah i think for me the adventure mode stuff i mean i i don't really know what i'm doing so for me it's just like and i'm gonna go and see how long i cannot die and that's usually till nightfall generally (laughs) um but it is but it is pretty cool i've I've just not really even scratched the surface as far as how to pick up quests or track people or get companions when I start out. I still can't figure out how to do that. I've got pets, but I feel like I might, maybe for an upcoming episode, we should dedicate that to adventure mode. Wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah. Not a bad idea. And what fun we'll have. I'm in for it. Adventure mode has never tripped my trigger quite as much as fortress mode. Well, I discovered Dwarf Fortress through... Uh, through the roguelike genre, and uh, and I do enjoy NetHack, but it turns out that the simulation as part of the Fortress mode is what really, really drives me to play Dwarf Fortress, and that's the part that I just really love. So if I have an hour or two to spend, I am going to sit down, and in, if I have a choice between you know rolling up an adventure or spinning up a fortress, I'm probably going to sit down and do the fortress because I know that that's really what... I'm addicted to, and I've always liked those kind of games anyway. I've loved SimCity through most of its iterations, and uh, and the Sid Meier Civilization stuff. I've always loved Sim Ant back in the day. Was I just loved that game? Yeah. So I, I don't know that I'll spend a whole lot of time in adventure mode, but if we do on purpose, if we plan on it and have an episode. Uh, dedicated to uh, adventure mode than I certainly will do. You know, I'll tell you what I think is really cool about it, um, or the compelling part to me is um, having a world where I've built several forts, and I know the dwarf civilization fairly well, and I know the goblins that I've been fighting against, and then being able to generate an adventurer and, and drop in and kind of check on all the stuff from a different perspective, I think is really cool. Um, Sort of like in SimCity 4 where you could spawn as a car or a helicopter in your town and drive around the roads. It's sort of like that almost um, or where you can go into your own fort and see people. Like I had one where I joined and dropped in and went to my fort and then went in and then ended up getting into a fight with the mayor of my fort who was just kind of a jerk. And um, <laughs> things just got a little out of control and I ended up mortally wounding him and then when i went back in he was in the hospital bed and couldn't move (laughs) whoopsie daisy but my grizzly bear was still in the fort quite happily chilling nobody seemed to see what happened to the poor mayor um that side of it's kind of fun yeah definitely at some point i started playing it uh so adventure mode i mean and at first i was like what is happening but i i tried it i tried it again and again and again and of course, I kept dying, and probably most of the time, I didn't even make the night. Uh, but it didn't matter. I, I tried and tried again, and now I can definitely say that usually I don't die during the first week, so I can make actually a full week. Sometimes only if I uh, steal some food, of course, because you get, you have so little food. And uh, one time. Uh, I made, oh god, what was it? Some animal man, and that guy could only eat uh, plants. So I starved because I couldn't find any plants he wanted to eat. I had strawberries or something, and he didn't want it. So I was desperate in finding something else. But um, usually I can manage, but I die in combat. And I have no idea how to heal myself. One time I had a tiny, tiny wound that kept bleeding and I had no idea how to fix it. And I just died because of some stretch and that was quite annoying. 
one more thing I, I'd like to mention about the new release is this is the first release that I've actually been playing Dwarf Fortress and, and keeping up with things. And this whole experience has been absolutely unique as far as I know, that the release has really shown that this isn't this is more of a hobby than a game. There is a definite community around it, and it is Toady interacting with the community through the Bay 12 game site and the subreddit and the, the the YouTube videos. Maybe they're on a bit on the periphery, but but this has more of a community feel to it than any other game that I've ever seen as far as video games goes. It does remind me more maybe of Dungeons and Dragons, except even then the the community didn't have the direct access to actually kind of talk to TSR games or Wizards of the Coast or whoever. Where here, the people are playing it, Toadie's seeing what's going on with it, and the back and forth is just amazing. It It's a unique game, and, and I, I love that. You know what's been interesting to me is seeing... Um is seeing how people kind of are banding together and kind of cooperating on getting things like DF hack patched and ready. And you've got, you know, some of the, the folks that do the launchers and stuff. Um, you know, it's cool just seeing it. And somebody was, you know, there was some, something on one of the forums and somebody's like, Hey, I just compiled DF hack for Linux. Does anybody want, you know, if anybody wants it, here's a, here's a path to the compiled binaries. And it's just kind of cool watching everybody sort of, piece together these bits of I don't know, important kit for the game and you know it's all unofficial and unsupported and just, i don't know that's kind of half the fun trying to you know even get df hack to compile on a mac or whatever it, it's it's pretty cool that is unlike any other video game i've experienced we don't do that in just cause or whatever for example hmm. are you a do you consider yourself a gamer outside of dwarf fortress tony no i don't I don't really play any games. Maybe just the city builders and stuff. That's about it, really. Roland, do you have a large gaming life outside of Door Fortress? I would say yes, because I have nothing else in my life. Yeah, I, I game a lot. <laughs> well, that got dark real quick there. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't meant that way, but you, you know, you know. Yeah. So is there other game communities that surround uh, any of the other games that you play that has a tight community like Door Fortress does? Well, and if there are, that's fine. I'm I'm not saying that Dwarf Fortress is like, you know, the super greatest game on the earth because because of this community, but curiosity uh, makes me ask if if this is perhaps not unique. I think some of those MMOs do. Like I think some of those like if you look at if you drop into the World of Warcraft thing. I mean, ooh, they're all bigger, ooh, so it's ooh. a little hard to tell, but that's so huge though. I love World of Warcraft tattoo and I can definitely say that the World of Warcraft community is uh, fire and salt and you should stay away from it <laughs> no no really it's 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 not cool most competitive games are extremely bad when it comes to community so i'm talking I, I, maybe i shouldn't say names you know but competitive games are usually the worst when it comes to community because now you can also bash people outside of the game. Other than that, for, okay, you know what? I'm naming it Overwatch. Go Overwatch it. community is so bad. Ooh, it's almost unplayable. Other games that actually have a good community, um, I tried uh, to get into StarCraft once, and people are really helpful. So they will, you know, you, you ask a question, and they pile up and tell you how to do it. Well, it is still a competitive game, you know, but uh, also Factorial. Oh, is, yeah, Factorial, that's insane. pretty cool. Um, it's it's really interesting because there is so much math and uh, you, you ask something and after like five minutes, people are doing math in the comments. And you're like, oh, stop, stop, please. No numbers. <laughs> um can I digress? I just realized there was one thing I was going to talk about with the update um, that I think is super cool. Sure. Go ahead. So um, have you guys, I don't know how your, what your relationship with was to aquifers in the previous versions of this game, but I, for um, one, avoided them. Yeah. If I could, you know, I would use DF hack or whatever the, not DF hack, the 
if I accidentally did get an aquifer, I would just drain it with DF hack because I'm too fragile to deal with it. Or I would just try <laughs> to generate a world that didn't have aquifers in it and pretend it didn't exist. But now with the light aquifer thing, I almost don't want to embark unless there is a light aquifer because it's like instant and easy water source. It's, it's great. Um, I think it's really cool and it feels a bit more realistic maybe if, you know, if we're talking realism in a world where we're digging down in the earth with dwarves, um, it feels like it's kind of a cool thing because it doesn't instantly just flood you to death. You can, you know, if you, if you're canny, you can get your log set aside and put up barriers and, you know, protect your stairwell. And then you can do cool things like, you know, dig another shaft and have it drain in there and you get an instant well, that's pretty cool. And then there's the, 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 the Krug smash thing where he ended up using the light aquifer to make a mist generator or whatever, or at least talked about that. That works. That's pretty cool. Um, I mean, there's just all these cool benefits from it. Um, I'm digging it. I like that aspect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The light aquifers. Yeah. Um, I tried to make a mist generator just like Kruggy. Uh, it didn't work that well because it was just way too little water. Other than that, I tried to dig into one of the light ones, but it kept going down and it had like 10 Z levels of the light aquifer. And after maybe six of them, I, I stopped. I had to cheat. And then I saw I still had four levels to go down before the aquifer stopped. And I was like, no, no, no. And then I made a world without them. That's really um, weird. Um, I, hadn't, I hadn't had that. One thing that I did find is sometimes as I was digging down, and this is the part where the stopping for damp stone is so annoying, um, I noticed that it would basically drip down into the next layer because what I've done is I'll use the down staircase and then i'll have them just keep digging up down staircases oh i found out how staircases work this update too finally whoops after i after i punched a hole into something and i was like oh no that's what it actually punches a hole into the layer below i hadn't realized that um and and i caused a bit of a fortress flood because i hadn't quite taken on board that up down stairs are like a punch through the ground um so that's something to think about if you if you if you're playing that game I there's a great graphic that i i saw once that that explains the stairways the stairs really well and that's how i how i learned it but that, that's an aside go ahead yeah no i mean in this one i had dug out this big pan and then i was going to build a tower in the middle and bridges on the sides to try to you know to try to make this little bastion in the lake or whatever and to construct it i had used i had had the dwarves build up downstairs instead of just upstairs and then an up downstair on top of the upstairs and I hadn't realized that the up down stair, when you construct it, it punches a hole down. And so um, mm. the minute that I flooded it, of course, all the water flooded into the farm below. And that was the end of the fort. Whoopsie daisy. <laughs> but I digress. No, I, I what I was saying with the stairs and the light aquifers is I think the water will drain down and it'll make it look like the aquifer's there, but it's not really there. It's just made the steps or the hole below wet. I don't know if that could have been what was causing the problems. But if you go fast enough, if you dig fast enough, you can kind of get past it and see where the real aquifer action is. But um, the, the the damp stone, pausing for damp stone would be awesome if you could toggle that off so you could dig through the aquifer quickly without having to hit space to unpause every single time they're digging through a damp tile. <laughs> it's just not cool. <laughs> Come on, guys. So that is an option in, in DF hack, right? Um, I think it is. Yeah. Well, I know it's yeah. in, in the launchers. Lazy noob pack. Yeah, in the launcher. I think in lazy noob pack. You can check. You can uncheck. Uh, pause for damp stone. I want to say that's in one of those init files, which I started playing around with a little bit more once. It yeah, it's vanilla. also there. It's it's also in the init files. But if you're a lazy uh, crapo like me, you will just wait for the lazy noob pack and. Uh, yeah, it's it's out now. The the pre-alpha of it is out now. It's playable. By the way, check it out, guys. It is. It is. Um, hashtag making ads for people. Unfortunately, it's not the Linux one isn't uh, updated yet. So. No, and I and I know that somebody has also managed to build uh, a hack of text will be text. So if you are eager to play with some of the 
tile packs that need TWBT, then you can talk about clinodevs. Yeah, I think is that yeah. is that is that the is that the patch? I know I there's a couple of them floating around out there. Clinodev on the on the subreddit, I believe, released a a a. It's not exactly the lazy noob pack, but he released a pack of I think it was the first release that had uh, a had a Phoebus. Yeah, it had the Phoebus tile set, and I believe it had text will be text in it as well. Uh, that he had is kind of a basically. I think he just set it all up and zipped up his uh his dwarf fortress folder and and posted that for people to use if they wanted he did yeah uh, that was a yeah. solid solid move that was really cool frame rate was way too high for my taste though I, I i like to have it be at a more leisurely pace even whenever they're doing something as mundane as mining out a, a cavern that's in the init.txt file you can change that and set your frame rates i don't know what his was set at i always set mine to uncapped and then i set graphic to like 400 or something ridiculous like i'm gonna let it move fast until i have too many doors and then it naturally slows and i'm also enjoying that just the fact that uh that that i'm playing with um with a vanilla it's a lot of fun i'm i'm more and more warming up to it i do like the the neatness of the uh, of the graphic sets as opposed to the kind of messy looking floors even if you put flooring or uh, or smooth stone I, i'm not a big fan of the floors and vanilla but nor am i yeah i'm 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 with you i i can i can enjoy the game in vanilla but there are things that i i mean honestly things that i miss in in the tile packs i just i just like the way that the smooth stone looks and the walls look and I like, you know, not, I don't know, it's just sometimes I get a little muddled sometimes. What's the at sign? What's the, you know, I don't know. It's just, I like the, I like my little pictures. And there's some really neat, there's some really neat art out there. Like even just the simple stuff like Phoebus and Mayday, those are cool. Those are cool tile sets. They're not super whiz-bang, amazing graphics, but they totally give it a feel and a, I don't know, I, I dig it. I mean, I, I like to, I, I had fun with Vanilla, but... I'm I'm thankful that they're tile sets. <laughs> so far, Phoebus and Mef are my favorites for the uh, for the tile sets. And Mef's is just so so freaking intricate. It really is. So. That that guy spent so much time building and compiling and and making it look awesome. It's it's kind of hard to beat that one. I liked um, Vet Vetlinger. I don't. I'm, yeah. I can't Thank say Thank how you. those. You like that one? Yeah, I love it. I just want to, wanted to say that, um, I'm basically just waiting for him to, to like, I don't know, uh, he dropped it, but it didn't work really well for me. So I hope that he will make a new update. And I'm fairly sure that one needs text, uh, will be text. Absolutely so I'm just does. waiting for text will be text to be updated so I can play with Vetlinger because I love his monster sprites. They're so, grunchy and evil and 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 have you seen the floating eyeball and and the, the meat blob stuff it's so gruesome i love it yeah i i really like his stuff as well i i think that's a great tile set and i definitely am missing playing with it it looks so good in 4k i mean if you play on a high dpi screen or whatever it's really cool um the detail is great and um the stone work is really cool. I love the way he's made the minerals look, and it's neat. Yo, Betlinger, yo, if you listen, just update your stuff and uh, bring it out, okay? I'm, well, no, I think I'm he your, needs... I'm your fan. We need TWV, we need text will be text. That's what, Man. I think that's the missing piece, right? Yeah, I guess, I guess. Because in the um, in the new Lazy Noob, you can, you can select Betlinger's tile set, but you'll get it without text will be text so you'll be missing pieces or whatever you know it'll look a little funny but it's there do have an announcement to make i'm going to be presenting uh, let's play dwarf fortress at ozcon 2020 as sponsored by missouri state university west plains if anyone is in west plains missouri on april 24th through the 26th Stop by the Civic Center in West Plains. I will be there. I'm not exactly sure where yet. I've uh, exchanged emails with one of the organizers, and uh, he was quite enthusiastic about uh, about having me there. I basically just requested to not put me in with the with the 
competitive gaming tournaments <laughs> and I would be happy with it. That would be fantastic <laughs> to get <laughs> to have it be with with the Overwatch community who Roland just described as being super welcoming and friendly. <laughs> yeah, I I told him that uh, that what I, I I thought that it probably would go best in the uh in the RPG rooms. The problem with that is is they probably get the least traffic at the at the convention. Uh, those are in in conference rooms, and you know people go in and sit down and play a game of of Pathfinder or D and D or whatever. But that's probably the the group of people who would be the most interested in it. Uh, I'm kind of hoping that they end up putting me like in a corner of the main arena, so that people can just walk by and and see. So and for listeners, we'll this is this Ozcon is not to be confused with the Pomona Ozcon, which takes place in July, and it's a celebration of the world of Oz, uh, as in or as in the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Or the Australian convention, which a uh, uh, person that I was chatting about this online uh, thought that I was coming to Australia. Cause, so maybe that's where I thought that, uh, that you were in Australia there. <laughs> so it's it's delightful, the, the Pomona Wizard of Oz con. So, I mean, I, I guess now I, I never knew about that until today. So I'll, I'll plug that. Oh, I guess it calls itself OzCon, all one word, as where yours is Oz-Con. Oz-Con. Dot com. There's not a whole lot on the uh, on their website this uh, as of yet. But uh, April 24th through 26th, West Plains, Missouri. If you're in the area, uh, stop by, say hi. I'm planning on having a 42 inch TV for a monitor, and uh, and I'm going to play on my laptop. and And I'm going to me and my dad are going to make a sign that says "Let's play Dwarf Fortress" with the stylizing from the Bay 12 Bay 12 game site. So you're going to do it. Hopefully, you'll be able to see what it is from a ways away. You're going to do us proud. That's fantastic. Looks really cool. Yeah, um, yeah. And have you thought about how you're going to show it? Like what what it's going to look like? Or are you going to go ASCII? Or are you going to go tile sets? You're going to. I had thought about that, and I still haven't completely decided. But I suspect that I'm going to go with uh, with with a tile set, probably with a lazy noob pack, and so that I can have the least amount of cruft that i have to go through while i'm sitting there playing trying to show people things i'm with you i i'm with you i think if you're introducing this to people that have never seen it before i think the ascii definitely appeals to a certain kind of person and i don't mean that in a bad way i just mean like people who are like really curious about something i think that the ascii and the kind of the obfuscation of the ascii is compelling and interesting and i think it could draw in you know, a certain type of person. I, I know I find that stuff really interesting, but I think if you're going wide appeal, I'm going to say, I think you'll probably have more wide appeal with a tile set just because the ASCII itself, I think is quite a lot to ask of some people. Yeah. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not knocking it because I think it definitely has a place and I think it's cool, but, but, um, but I think if you're going mass market, you're going to get probably more interest if, if you're playing something that looks like something that, you know, normal people could see as opposed to something you've got to teach yourself to see. What do you think, Roland? That is true. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, while ASCII is, you know, it's the real flavor. It's the original. It's standard. But on the other hand, um, f- for first-timers or people that have never played it, ASCII is super, super confusing, and they don't know what's going on, which is absolutely fair. I've been there. So I think a tile set is a better option. Well, I'm going to be there for a, a large number of hours because it starts on Friday evening and runs through Sunday evening. So I plan on being there at my booth, aside from going to, to grab something to eat and taking you know short breaks. I plan on being at the booth the whole time. So, you know, Whenever five o'clock in the afternoon and the evening rolls around, I might switch to ASCII just to change things up. Or if there's some hardcore people who, <laughs> who you know, say, you know, gee, I've played NetHack for years and I've heard about Dwarf Fortress, then I might go, oh, well, here's what it looks like if you really want it to be hardcore <laughs> and, and spin up a, a fortress in the ASCII mode. So, yeah. I've, I've played it at, I'll be honest, when I first started playing this game, I, I, was, I was at a, at a work conference. Um, and there was this really boring talk that I didn't want to hear, but I couldn't really excuse myself. So of course I pull up Dwarf Fortress on my laptop and I can play it. <laughs> Nobody really knows what it is. It's sort of, you know, I pop up a terminal window. People think you're programming. It's kind of cool. 
Um, <laughs> you know, like, nah, just, I'm doing work. Um, so yeah, so there's that aspect of it, I guess, if you're trying to skive off during some, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those little smiley faces, those are, uh, are representations of network packets. That's right. You never know what those things are. Um, that, 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 I suppose, is one pro, maybe, to the ASCII tile set is, you know, people aren't going to ask you about it. Or they might. Uh, when I was playing it at the conference, somebody did come up to me afterwards and he was like, oh, that's the game where the elephants, like, stomp on you and destroy you, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, you know what's up. <laughs> So here's another question for you guys. This is uh, more of a door fortress question. Um, fortress mode. Uh, so posing this as a question, I have very rarely been able to do much in caves and caverns. Like I, I you know, I I think that it's really cool the caverns, um, but I but I really never try to build and use the caverns to my advantage. Um, when I'm, let's say that I were to like start building on a cavern floor, I found this nice thing. How, how much do you guys like secure the fortress up the Z levels? I mean, do you, do you build walls up to try to totally seal it in? Or do you just put in like walls around your one Z level that you're working on? Or what's, what strategy, if any, do you guys have for that? Um, you go ahead, Roland. Okay. Um, <laughs> if any. <yeah. laughs> it really depends on what kind of biome you're in. If you have a fairly secure, nice place, you know, like, um, what's it called? Uh, serene and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, then you don't actually need walls. You might get some walls, so uh, spiders don't come in or troglodytes or whatever. Um, but you, you really don't need walls. All you need is maybe a door or two and keep it like... Um, not locked, but closed, so pets don't can open it. Uh, maybe uh, throw some cats into your caverns, but that's it. That's all the security you need. What do the cats in the caverns do? Uh, they they eat uh, um, and uh, j just a bit of flavor. You know, you have like cats in caverns and eating stupid vermin stuff. Oh, okay. it really doesn't matter, but so they are it's useful. Good. Yeah, fairly, and they also reap like. You can basically um, make a native cat population in your caverns and hunt them for food. This anyway. is going to piss people off, but I always have a lot of cats around because they make good soap and leather. Yeah, sorry. yeah, obviously. Uh, yeah, real sorry for folks that have heard that on the podcast and probably that, will unsubscribe. That's really not going to upset the people who listen to our podcast. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> Um, oh, no. I think it's safe to say that we're not a general audience podcast. <laughs> hey, if you can't a pair, if you can't appreciate a good pair of cat leather shoes, you know, then maybe it's not time to listen to their show anymore. <laughs> oh, gosh, back back to the to the the caverns bit. The mm -hmm. reason that I didn't uh, though that I just punted over to to Roland is that while I might go in there and get some fungi wood and and mine some some goods there. I try to avoid actually putting any kind of fortress parts in it because the floors are so annoying. I want to have an area that I can do that's flat that I don't like seeing my dwarves go ungulating up and down in Z levels. That tends to happen a lot in the. Oh in yeah. The, it gets really complicated, really complicated there with all the Z levels. People just disappear and they come and go. And exactly. Yeah. It gets, so. it gets a little wild in there. Um, yeah. It's a treasure store for me and not a place to build. Um, what really uh, works well, and it's a lot of fun, is using the caverns not really as main uh, building place, but um, everything where the caverns aren't. So the black places, uh, the massive stone yeah. pillars, you go into them and build your fortress in them. So you go around the, the cavern itself and you stay in the stone and make your fortress there and that sometimes is actually a challenge because you have very limited space and stuff on the other hand it looks really cool and is really dwarfy thing is you should not do it if uh, you have an evil biome or a resurrection biome because then you will have a bad time both from all the zombies everywhere and the massive lag spikes um 
So the best thing is actually if you embark on a evil biome, you should not even try to find the caverns because as soon as you find them, your FPS will drop down to almost zero. Uh, that's my... Oop, we lost somebody. Blinky, get back here. Who represents Blinky? Oh, hello. There you are. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought. You were saying that if you if you're in in, in evil biome, don't even bother trying to open up oh, the caverns because yeah. as soon as you do, your FPS drops to, to drops to yeah, zero. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's just it's not worth it in the evil biome because all you get there is trouble and a lot of that. And uh, usually you have enough to do with all the above ground uh, dangers. So really, you don't need that. Well. When our recording bots start timing out, then that's a good alarm to say that it's time to start wrapping <laughs> I up think the episode. It, I think it might be. Um, <laughs> well, awesome. I think by the time we record again, I bet we'll see another bug fix, um, which is just so darned exciting. Um, we're in that season. Um, yeah. So good, good stuff. It's all, it's all a go. Well, guys, it is awesome. It has been fun playing the new release and... And uh, we will talk to everybody next time. Yeah, have have a great uh, have a great cavern dwelling adventure mode, <laughs> pet riding, pet petting, goblin spitting adventure. And Roland, I'm glad you made it back from your arduous many hour plane flight from another part of your country, <laughs> where he was down south in Germany. Sorry for everyone that had to experience that. Oh, God. I, oh, yeah. you know I'm going to leave that in. Oh, God. <laughs> Never have Australians on the show. They're just going to be like, God, that guy. <laughs> Melbourne. Melbourne. That's I'm from Melbourne. Down south. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll oh, catch you all Lord. next time. Bye. Bye-bye. See you. This has been Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Please stop by and leave a comment or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. Music for this episode is from filmmusic.io. Sky Q. Ellen and Folkround are both by Kevin McLeod. You can find more music from Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Please consider donating to the creators of Dwarf Fortress at bay12games.com. If you'd like to help support Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, you can find us on Patreon. Links to all of these are in the show notes. This is a Dolomite podcast. Allcraft's Dwarfship is of the highest quality. It is encrusted with cushioned Dolomite cabochons and encircled with bands of opal Dolomite cabochons and trifle pewter. This podcast is adorned with hanging rings of dolomite and menaces with spikes of walnut wood. On the podcast is an image of explorations of the water cycle, the Almondine-bound codex in persimmon wood.